0: So I'm going to introduce Hannah, so she can introduce the next provocation. Um, Hannah. All
1: right. So my theme is prioritizing the individual. Can you hear me? Okay. A little louder. Okay. So. Uh, as is not surprising, this came up in many, many questions. What is the relationship between the individual and various forms of organization? Um, what is the relationship between individuals and the state or economy, for instance? Or what is the relationship between the individual and the university? then what are different ways of thinking about individuals and relationships? How might we organize individuals and let individuals interact with each other in a way that's healthy, rather than in a way in which the individual is dominated? This was a theme that just kept resurfacing in various iterations, in various tonalities, and in various ways. Which, of course, is not surprising, being as that is one of the predominant ways in which we are um, subjected under a neoliberal imaginary through individualism. So one of the questions I want to raise is what is the relationship between the individual and individualism, where there's this idea that a person can be accountable and responsible and also rewardable for autonomous action that is solely completed by that one person. In the university, think of the scholar The classic scholar writing alone at their desk, having unique thoughts that are able to somehow specially forward the field into new and uncharted terrain, that then they can monetize, that becomes the basis upon which they are judged worthy of, say, tenure as an individual, given freedom to say what their individual voice needs to say, whereas everyone who is not given tenure is somehow expected, or less than, or not able, or trusted, to be able to do that. What is at
2: stake
1: in this ideology of individualism, and what it does to the possibilities of individuals in the university, being one question. Um, another question that came up was very short and sweet. Somebody submitted uh, a statement saying, I'm hoping perhaps can we talk about the role of ego as currency in the university. Yes. My goodness, there's so many ways we can talk about ego as currency in the university. As a doctoral student, I know that I have been trained in presenting ego <laughs> as a primary way to gain entry, to gain respect to gain publications, to do anything. This is a real problem, and it also manifests in various ways. We have a celebrity culture across our society, and this is also true in the academic setting. For instance, we have a special guest the illustrious David Graeber, who we adore, and I truly do adore. But there's also a way in which his name, his celebrity, his status as an individual is able to get people here and get us talking about ideas that somehow when I say the exact same words, many people would not listen. Why does that matter? What's at stake in that, and how might we think about it differently?
0: okay now uh, okay so you can see the first clock right as if other people if new people have walked in we have about 16 minutes you'll hear a pain when your 90 seconds is over so I'll go ahead and thanks yes
3: hi sorry um I, I don't I don't really want to talk about the individual in the context of academia <laughs> I what I'm thinking about is um I'm thinking about the relationship and the kind of dynamics that I have seen between within within the Occupy movement as I've experienced it and within the bank tenant movement, um, which is a, a separate thing. Um, um for those of you for those of you who aren't familiar, the bank tenant movement um kind of started about four years ago and has been very much about on the ground organization of tenants who are facing foreclosure to actively defend and keep their homes. Um it's been hugely effective. Um it is um uh It is one area in which Occupy um, is kind of really intersecting with and growing an existing movement. Um, And in talking to, I mean, in in kind of moving between these two worlds, um, a lot of what we talk about within Occupy is the relationship of individuals. Individuals are like supremely empowered um, within the the kind of consensus framework that whichever particular framework you've adopted. Um, and there's a lot of talk about kind of how, how uh, you know, kind of accountability of individuals, and kind of how um, you get this kind of like massive influx of like various people who come with all their they come with all their own shit, and they come with all their own like kind of individual like perspectives on like what exactly economic inequality means and looks like. And in a lot, and like in a lot of cases, like it's very very hard um, to kind of cohesively piece out of that um unifying unifying factors and themes and contrasted with that um um, i'm thinking about um within the bank tenant movement i'm gonna i'm gonna finish it's wrapping (laughs) it up within the bank tenant movement um one thing which is is kind of incredibly powerful um is that there is simultaneously a kind of um growing of a mass movement based on the idea of private property Um, individuals who have been mobilized because they have something really, really powerful at stake. They are losing their homes. Um, They're losing their major asset. They're losing the place where they live. Um, And I wonder in thinking about, um, in kind of contrasting those two, um, like what are the the stakes that any individual brings into a movement? um, And how common do those stakes need to be in order to actually grow a movement?
0: Thanks, I'm taking stock. I
2: got you. Sure, go ahead. One thing I particularly loved about David's book is uh, in the chapter on the moral grounds of economic relations, where he talks about baseline communism. So I think one response to this question of individualism and how do we respond to it is just to say it's it's ideology, it's a lie. I mean, basically, most people, not even highly just highly politicized people, maybe not even particularly occupiers live most of their lives, or at least, and would like to live most of their lives along communist principles of from each according to their ability to each according to their needs. I mean, David even points out that that within capitalist enterprises themselves, if you want to get something done, it's generally along those principles, which isn't to say that I think that you you don't need different kinds of institutions in capitalist enterprises. But I mean, I think we really need to bring back the term communism. I think, I, I, and I appreciated his concept of baseline communism as a way to start that in the, in the little realms, but also on the, the issue of, uh, I, I do think, you know, within Occupy and outside of it, I also am concerned about a different issue, that I think sometimes the, the respect for the particularities of different communities can keep us from speaking and being bold in speaking and trusting people to be open to the knowledge of the big concepts as well. And I mean, I want to echo what John Spritzler was talking about, about the need to be Boldly, not simply listening and meeting people on their particular interests, although we need to do that too, but introducing into the conversation the need for global structural revolutionary change. And and I think that there, there is a there is a there is a danger uh, that we respect the other to such an extent that we, that certain things are not said, certain things that can in fact shift the discourse and open up the possibilities for people to take their particular concerns to a new level. And I think that. It's a contradiction that we need
4: to work through that we can't avoid and dodge by simply sticking with the immediate particulars. How do you like how to bourgeois? I kind
2: of
4: shout more, can you hear that? Yeah. That's <laughs> oh. Anyway,
2: I just feel microphones are a little bourgeois in small crowds like this. So we're kind of responding to that. I mean, I'm an anarcho-communist. I've been on facilitation for for a long time. And I'm speaking to cases in different communities, I think a huge part of that is like you have to build trust with people to sort of get the individual included into that. And like, if I know you and trust you and the systems I've worked with, you can kind of work things out and we sort of be who we are and love have this like, community together with each other. And I think like strong interpersonal relationships and, and that kind of trust is incredibly important to actually using something like consensus. Anyway, I'm done. While I'm going to have i I'm
0: taking staff. Yes. I,
5: I think that the the idea of, of baseline communism, which I really encourage people to read at least that part of the book, if not as well as the whole book, but uh, is is extremely important for us to to understand the significance of its existence. It means that that implicitly most people in their ordinary lives uh, act on values which are implicitly uh, baseline communism, anti-capitalist the values that would make for an egalitarian society based on mutual aid, which means that there is an, an implicit in people's everyday lives, there is a revolutionary movement. And when we when people understand that about each other, which presently they mainly do not, when people realize that they're not alone in sharing those revolutionary values of equality and mutual aid instead of what's you know raining down on us with the capitalist system, when people realize they're not alone, that's when the individualism, you know, uh, starts to fade away and the ability to act together collectively comes comes to the fore. Uh, if you don't know that you're joined by many millions of other people with these values, what can you do with your life except try to make the best of it as an individual and, and to, you know, survive and so forth? But I've seen it in my own life in the 60s when people realized they were not alone. They did things that they never would have dreamed of doing otherwise. Thank
0: you. Anyone in the stack here, especially a woman? Yes. Hannah, here, there. Uh, um, Hi. Uh, I'm
6: a Val, an uh, MIT student on LEAF. And one of the experiences I had at MIT um, was I definitely saw that uh, a lot of people had uh, a very large focus on their egos and building their resumes and having know. Really great LinkedIn profiles, whatever. Um, And so uh, I think a lot of this is motivated by the job scarcity that's happening, um, you know, all all around the the country, all around the world, everything. Um, And so um, one of the the things MIT really prides itself on is uh, innovation, you know, um, what is it? Uh, Motivational wisdom or something. Uh, Yeah. Uh, uh, Innovating new technologies really to change the world. At least that's how the institution was marketed to me when I was applying there. Um, and so uh, one thing I really noticed is that... Uh, uh, or the question I have, I guess, is that um, does this bolstering of the ego and the importance of the ego in the market um, impede this type of innovation, this innovation to help others, help the world? Because um, right now all I see it is just people trying to get by and end up, you know, working for
0: Facebook. Thanks, so we have this gentleman over there, and then Catherine at following the person behind you.
7: So just, just responding to baseline communism, which I, I also found to be a great part of the book, but I, I think that baseline communism gives you an opportunity to create uh, tribes that work, to create groups, but they're, they're small groups. And so I think there's really two problems with with really leveraging that. One is that people don't have good role models for how to run those small groups. People don't really believe they'll work. And and what you're saying is we should tell them that they will work, and maybe educate them and, and create role models and whatnot. So that's great. I think you can use that natural inclination to build small groups that work by baseline communism. I think there's a huge open question as for how those small groups should interact with one another. And that if you either want to go to large, as you said, society-wide communism, you're going to need unnatural structures, which will be interesting. Or if you're going to have those groups integrate in some other way, capitalism or otherwise, you're going to need unnatural structures. And so I think a, a big question, which which I find as yet unanswered, is what's the unnatural structure you can use to let those tribes in, interact with each other because they're natural ways of, they don't have a natural way of interacting, at least not a healthy one. Catherine
0: and then Zach. And then the gentleman behind Catherine.
6: I just had two thoughts that I think are sort of frustratingly not really practically um, applicable, but uh, about individualism or individuals. And I guess I was trying to think of like a concept of an individual that would be quite different. And it would have be something around you know, someone to whom you are accountable, so to sort of lip in some ways, the sort of general, the usual way of thinking about individuals, not as, um, as something outside of you. <laughs> And I also really love the ego as currency. Um did I just go off. Oh, it's still on. Okay. Um, and I was trying to think of like what's a what's a what's an opposite of that and it seems unsaleable this humility. Like how do you sell that? How you know how that seems to be something that's unmarkable and to me that is total lacking in just about everything, um, certainly in the academy and, um, and most other things that one does in life to continue living.
0: So because of time, and I want to make sure we don't go over, I've got Zach, the gentleman there, and then Ian. And I'm going to sort of close stack, unless we still have time. There will be lots of time at breakouts as well, so just so you know.
8: So I guess I wanted to respond to the kind of initial provocation, which was an example of the university, right? Your example, sorry, it was an example about kind of the um, differential valuation, speak louder. Yes. Okay. It was an example about like the way that um, sort of uh, academic labor is differently valued around questions of tenure and, and distinction. Um, but I think that the question of, of like the fetish of individuality um, within the university and around academic labor is actually much deeper than that, and has to do with the way that academic labor and intellectual labor are are fetishized um, as kind of acts of individual. Um, uh, cognition which distances themselves not only from all the other intellectual labor which takes place within the university but all of the other kinds of labor that take place in, in universities and around universities and this sort of like larger colonial presence of um, of universities in urban space um, that was alluded to earlier I think that um, in, in that sense um, that that problem of the individual um, is is one that is a deeply um, uh, it, it's a very dispersed problem, but also a, a one that um, uh, is, is never really a, a problem of individuality. I think I, I guess I refuse that, that terminology. I don't know. Gentleman
0: over there.
4: Um, so if you follow pardon me, I just want to go back to the local versus global and say something broad about that, if, if I could. Um, which is, you know, I'm, I'm always struck by how, um, in some ways, local and American these, these discussions are. And on uh, the local could versus. Could you speak louder? I'm, I'm always struck by how local and American these discussions are. And on the local versus global, I'm, I, I'm particularly bothered about, you know, I'm, I'm a card carrying, this on the aside, I'm a card carrying a member of a CSA and I farm locally in a community uh, on weekends. But a little bit, like a few hours, but but beside that, I just I find local uh, so local agriculture in particular, the push for local stuff as 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 very protectionist in the sense that there are poor farmers elsewhere, and we should be buying um, i don't know papayas from Cameroon instead of uh, instead of worrying about all this local stuff so.
9: Well, first, I want to say it's a little bit difficult because the format of this seems to be that we're talking about different discussion topics for each one, so we're sort of not really responding to each other. But um, I live uh, in a collective house uh, with Val and some other people that's largely run on anarchist lines, but in Boston. Uh, and and like the accountability question, I find it to be like really important, like because even people that have like the same ideological preferences and like ideologies like have trouble when it actually comes to like the structural processes of like day to day work and like. The, like, the philosophers at like, Crime Think talked about the dishes, like, and that the whole question of, like, who's doing the dishes, and, like, whether you're doing the dishes. And I think, like, that's, that's sort of, like, really important, because, like, the whole idea is, we live in a society that's, like, deformed us to such a degree that, like, many of us have to, like, work all the time, or we're in school, or we're doing, like, all sorts of other different things, or, like, a lot of us are doing activism, and so we, like, we're not down to do, like, to clean the house, or to do all these things that we're, like, we're supposed to be doing. And so, it's really hard to, like, think, I mean, I wanna think, like, of ways that we could, like, keep our prefigurative politics in a society or in like in a capitalist structure that like tries to destroy our ability to actually do that and like kind of weigh that against that and also to develop structures that help us stay accountable because I actually feel like it's like it's really easy to like talk about how like fucked up the system is it's like much harder to think about like actual structures that hold us accountable and to like maintain accountability maybe like the A for energy could also stand for accountability because that would be interesting
0: We've got time for one more person on stack, and since I saw you, you've got
2: the last word. Oh, good, the last word. So I was going to say it too. I think for now, individuality <laughs> and community is a completely false dichotomy, and it's it's an incredibly dangerous false dichotomy. Uh, I mean, I'm just I'm an anarcho-communist. I really believe in this. it. Which speaks for itself. Also, just want to back up what Ian was saying, that I, I was in a work with for a long time. We had a lot of the same struggles of accountability. You can get through it, but it's a hard, but we're only kind of getting (laughs) close to the end of that. And yeah, under 90 seconds. (laughs) Talk after, everyone.